podcast in which you look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fen, cooking up another podcast for you all. And joining me tonight is a man who hasn't had forearms this shiny since the last time he blocked the toilet. It's Ash. <laughs> Fucking hell. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, once again, Ash, it's just, it's just you and I. Mm. Uh, as Jules paces around North London looking for his stolen bike whilst uh, journalist Jim reports on it. Uh, anyway, let's move swiftly on. Uh, Spurs continued their gallant romp to the title with yet another Bardemy win against uh, Nuno's ex in Wolves. I don't know about you, Ash, but I don't know how we got away with that one. No, I don't think anyone does, mate. We only got two minutes on, <laughs> to, on match of the day to actually watch it. Um, yeah, listen... I'm much happier for us to shithouse our way for a 1-0 win under Nuno than I ever was under Jose. But that's probably because Jose is the kind of guy that would crash into your parked car and just leave a note saying Sozlol. So I'm <laughs> much happier under Nuno. But yeah, it was, it was difficult to judge, wasn't it, on those other couple of two minutes. But hypothetically, Tom, if one was to have been able to watch the uh, Irish or American broadcast through nefarious means... How would one have perceived the full 90 minutes? See what you did there. <laughs> but yeah, hypothetically, it's a nightmare now, isn't it? Because it, three o'clock kickoffs aren't on telly and you can't watch every single fixture. It's hard work. So yeah, obviously I've had to um, ask people who, who may or may not have watched uh, uh, the football match in, in America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was good to get... The early leads, they started off incredibly brightly, which kind of you have to expect uh, under their current management. And uh, I thought it would kind of uh, wear off at some point, but it just didn't. <laughs> I think the early goal kind of set us up for that because they are now going to be chasing the game for the next 82 minutes, which it turns out is what they did. And it's actually a fair summary of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a little bit concerned. I said in the last part that I want this to be a test. We're going to see a lot more possession than we did against city in theory we want to see how <laughs> how well we'll be able to cope with when we're using our own creativity rather than relying on counter-attacking as it turns out we probably counter-attacked just as much as we did against city maybe not as effectively uh, as we did against city in fairness but um yeah i think there were some causes for concern there when we had the ball but the main difference for us was without the ball if this was Jose in this situation last season, I think that squad would have capitulated and it would have been a 3-1, 3-2, that kind of result. To, to what? Well, not definitely not to us. <laughs> but defensively, we, we look solid. We've, got, we've still carried over that aggression. The fullbacks in Tanganga and Reguillon still looked lively uh, and also able to get up and down the pitch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying this quietly, but, you know, Sanchez and Dyer. They're, they're doing all right actually. it's strange it definitely wasn't Jose 2.0 then there was some actual uh, solid defence uh, defending and not just clinging on for dear life yeah absolutely I think Jose 2.0 is a little bit harsh it was kind of one you can tell Nuno is uh, from the, the Jose school of four having played under him many minutes ago in, in Portugal as a goalkeeper there were there were elements of that for sure but we look solid, and yeah. we kept with a 4-3-3 formation again, which I hate, um, but yeah. Nuno keeps proving me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, well, what I do think, I know? So. 
I think the four-three-three works when you've got a player as industrious as Deli Ali has been in the last couple of games. So once again, he ran over 11 kilometers, but no other player even reached 10, I don't think. And not only that, he also averaged the highest speed over the course of the game as well. So he was constantly making these high-intensity runs. And it's it's a little bit difficult when we're trying to counter-attack and we're we're only left with a couple players up front like we did uh, with under Jose. But you could see Deli Ali busting the gut to, to join the front three and making it a bit more, or, you know, a few options, having that, that, that guy outside the box who can make the late run in or also be there to, to recycle the ball. So... It works better when it's when it's fluid. I think it's it's not as so good when you see a bank of three midfielders just sit deep and hope the attackers can do do all the work like we've seen under certain previous managers. Yeah, they're certainly a tenacious uh, and aggressive. Yeah, I'll come back to that word again for the second week running uh, in that midfield three. I think what potentially might concern me is if for whatever reason you have to take Delhi out of that midfield three, who are you bringing in? probably winks as it stands god forbid and i'm not sure you keep up that that tenacity uh and that's potentially a concern the solution to that would obviously be the change in formation uh which we might come on to when we, we talk about uh watford at the weekend but yeah when we rely so much on individual players like this is this is what the problem was in the old team we we, we joke about the harry kane team but it wasn't just him it was him and son that was about it and yeah. this year, the reason why I think we did so well against City is that despite all the distraction about the Harry Kane, we put all that aside. Everyone just played their absolute best mm. uh, and weren't focused on anything else other than the game or, you know, how Jersey will speak to them afterwards, how Jersey will speak to the media, that kind of situation. <laughs> we didn't yeah. have any of that. No, no, a win's a win, so you take it however they come. I mean, Absolutely. it's it's a little bit more concerning that we're having a similar conversation after a Wolves game that we had after a Manchester City game, because you think we should, like you, like you mentioned in that first pod, we should have had a bit more of the ball, we should have had a bit more in, uh, intent and a different style of play than, than we were forced, well, than most clubs are forced into against Manchester City. However, we, we've seen um, we've seen that we, we can perform and it's early days, but if players can continue to perform consistently as individuals as a high level, but also keep that structure that we previously failed to implement, that that'd be great to see. But yeah, we also saw the return of a certain academy graduate after Son was forced <laughs> off with a bit of an injury. Yeah, Harry Winks had come on late, didn't he? <laughs> what what did you make of uh, King Kane's return? Yeah, his uh, King Kane's cameo. It was. Um, do you know what he was? Um, he was really good. It's almost like he's a world class striker and probably the best in this position. It was bizarre because he knew he knew it was going to be. It was it was going to be awkward. It's like that first time you go get back out with the lads and you bump into mm. your ex in the bar after you just split up with her and no one's ever quite sure how that's going to go. She's either going to bottle you or just give you a polite nod. <laughs> Thankfully, we went for the the polite nod. Um, the fans were singing his name. They were still singing that he's one of their own. He obviously showed that respect by applauding them. Additionally, uh, after the game, which uh, he's, yeah, he's got a lot of making up to do, any blessing. But uh, yeah. When, yeah, as soon as he was receiving the ball in deep, he was looking to either hold it up in, in ways that you know, Wolves couldn't take it off as, and they were desperate to because they, they were trading and he was, he was creating chances. He could have scored a goal. 
uh, we were very close to, to putting it away uh, and doubling our lead and running away with it. And he he just put a level of calm. And I was concerned when Sun could come off, but he had some tape on the back of his leg. So as it's now come out, there's obviously some sort of slight hamstring concern. Not a massive concern. He still played 70 minutes of football. But, you know, we you're always a little bit concerned when your star man's come off, but you, when you bring a star man like Kane back on, it's like, oh, no, this is all right. It's, it's different, but it's mm. still good. And we were just playing it to his feet and he was doing what he does best. And it was absolutely fine. It was awkward. For all this talk of Kane being distracted and not wanting to play for us if he doesn't get the move, it's good to see him come in and still put in a shift, even if it was just for, what, 20, 25 minutes. Um, so you, you wanted to see him get on the ball and you know, spray passes and hold up the ball, especially in a game where we didn't seem to be able to control the ball at all. Yeah, that's no. that's what's really disappointing me in in our transfer market. We won't delve into it too much, but it's quite obvious that we need another out and out striker. Like I I love Son; he's clearly a fantastic finisher and an absolute nightmare for defenders when he's running in behind. But surely that Wolves game was crying out for a target man who could hold up the ball and help us to build our counters and keep the ball better. Yeah, in more normal circumstances, we would have had that player, and I think we we would have easily. Have scored and created more than we did on the day that said I think we were incredibly wasteful in possession uh, and we really struggled to move it up the pitch and I think that comes down to a lack of quality in certain key positions again this is why I don't really like this formation because it doesn't really allow someone out of the front three to potentially drop deep receive it and be able to, to spray again because the midfield three don't want to push into that space and the front three don't particularly want to drop back into it you needed a creative player that what we've seen Ericsson do so well, what you see, you know, uh, <clears throat> what you get from Kevin De Bruyne. I know it's, a, it's an extreme example, but we need a player like that. And you look at Arsenal, they've, they've really prioritised going out and signing Odegaard, and they've been crying out for that sort of player. We haven't really got that. The only solution potentially we might have to that is if we bring Deli Ali into that sort of whole position to kind of support striker but also be able to to make stuff happen to be able to help transition further up the pitch to make those counters work but also to, to build slowly uh, if we find ourselves if with the ball which is a seemingly rare occurrence for Tottenham for the past <laughs> it feels like two years um, yeah. we, for me uh, that sort of creative outlet is as important as having that striker to play off yeah I get it the reason I, I imagine we're still playing with a free in midfield is because we're still having to pay Dyer and Sanchez and as much as we've been saying that they've been individually very very good over the last couple of games we know that it's it's only ever the minute here and there within a game that sort of defines their performances so the reason why they've let us down so many times in the past isn't because they've been consistently shit throughout the whole 90 minutes <laughs> it's just vital moments that they've um, yeah. but, but they've slipped up so you need to protect them and protect them better. And Jose's way of just putting all the pressure on them obviously didn't work. So Nuno's trying something different in having a solid structure in front of them to protect them and force teams out wide where we can try and nick the ball. Because that also plays to their strengths to, of dealing with crosses. They're both brilliant at, at sort of getting ahead to the ball before an attacker. Speaking of defence, we still had Tanganga right back. And it seemed from the few clips I was able to see that Traore was giving him a bit of a runaround. 
and are following that game, it looks like we've we've had enough of it. Well, fuck it, we'll take him. We can't we can't yeah. be playing against us anymore. What did you make of Troy's performance in that in that game? I mean, it was, it was a classic uh, Troy performance. I mean, I feel like um, any talismanic player that the opposition team have, Spurs mm-hmm. would exemplify. Uh, and then look to sign them in the next window because uh, it's always easier to it's always the best solution to not having to play them again is to just sign them. Yeah. But, I mean, is, is he the best player in the world? Probably not. But I'd rather no. play with him. I'd rather play with him than against him. I mean, I'd, I'd rather walk through a room where the floor's made of Lego and upturned plugs <laughs> than playing against him. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a man who smashed a few walls in his time. I think a bit stronger than Lego. He, he is an absolute. It looks like he was potentially sculpted by the gods. I don't. Can I, can I say that? I have. Yeah, yeah, of course you can. Yeah. I mean, we were we were on a. Well, stag. It's only because I'm intimidated into saying it. <laughs> we were on a stag a couple of weeks ago where we got to drive those 1960s Berliner tanks. I imagine managing him feels very similar to trying to control that tank. <laughs> yeah, except our. So, well, I mean, our tanks are filled with paintballs, but I feel like his tank is just filled with, you know, absolutely huge balls of lead. It's <laughs> <laughs> just going to get catapulted, but no, absolutely nowhere near the goal. And I think that's always been a criticism. And it's quite a, you know, armchair Twitter fan response is, oh yeah, but look at his goals and assists. And the counter argument to that is, well, there's so much uh, defending had to get done by Tanganga and Sanchez mm. that it creates gaps uh, elsewhere for other players to exploit. They clearly didn't exploit it that fucking well because they didn't score a single goal. Uh, and Troy Ray missed his one on one. Uh, although, admittedly, it was a great save um, by a certain Mr. Hugo Lloris, uh, who we'll come on to a bit later. Um, but as a result of that very explosion of, sort of transfer rumours that already Nuno loves him because he had him at Wolves and apparently Paratici loves him. He tried to sign him at Juve for attitude. Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Didn't mean to uh, offend your culture and your peoples. But, yeah, we've had this explosion of gossip and I just... I'd, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on it, really, because um, you're either Traore in or out, obviously, because football is tribal. <laughs> I um Traore out, unfortunately, for the moment. 40 to 50 million pounds for essentially a beefy Bergwijn, who yeah. isn't necessarily the, the, you know, we've talked about an actual striker, not trying to half-heartedly convert him into a support striker, and the need for a creative midfielder. And perhaps more pressingly, the need for for an actual decent second right back to go with Tanganga. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, forty million pounds that's been muted, or between forty and fifty million pounds is a lot of money for him. So there's a couple of concerns. Obviously, his his end product, even if you don't look at the stats, like you just just take the eye test, and it's quite clear that a lot of his crosses and passes and shots are quite wayward. But he's an absolute nightmare and something that's been pointed out a lot is he might not get the goals or assists, but he definitely drags two or three defenders out of position, which might make room for someone else. So if we can um, if we can make sure that those one of those three centre mids or one of the strikers goes near him so that he, his, his passes are more simple and then somebody else can do the difficult work for him, then he could he could be effective and in a hypothetically better team, which on paper mm. we're supposed to be, not that we showed it very much yeah. against Wolves. We're um, still beat him. Yeah, yeah, you'd you'd expect a, a higher outcome, but yeah, the the price tag, the lack of a last ball, and my concern that there might not be enough baby oil in North London is sort of put, <laughs> put yeah. me in the Troy out camp at the moment. And like you said, there's other positions. I, I want to see an actual striker come in, not another yeah. in you know brackets um, attacking option. Yeah, it's, it's not a 
solution we need necessarily. It's like Joseph Joseph kitchen products, isn't it? They give you solutions to problems you didn't realise you had. Yeah. I didn't realise not having a bulldozer down the left wing was a was a problem that <laughs> we had. As I thought it was the fact that the, we can't we can't actually uh, create that many effective chances unless it's on the counter. It's probably more of a pressing issue. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. We, we we need to be spending that. Uh, money a bit better in my opinion uh and i, I prefer neck or the baby all anyway uh, which are <laughs> the tottenham shareholders um we were touching it briefly earlier uh Troy's best chance of the game was that one-on-one against Lloris. he stuck out uh he stood his ground and just stuck out a leg and, and stopped a, a one-on-one probably the Wolves' biggest chances of the game it's uh it's not gone unmentioned that this was Lloris's 300th premier league appearance he's overtaken down anderson now as the club's uh, highest capped Premier League player. At what point do we give this guy the respect he deserves? Because I, I know as a as an amateur goalkeeper myself, <laughs> in, a, in a very very amateur seven side team, um, I'm sort of more. I'm always in the on the, the goalkeeper's camp, so to speak. But at what point do we build the statue? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, to be honest, I'm absolutely shocked that it's uh, it's Anderton that he's overtaken to become the top Premier League goalscorer <laughs> uh, appearance maker. Surely he was always injured and never on the pitch. But yeah. Lloris is just one of those players that um, I think has wavered an opinion of fans sort of up and down throughout his uh, his time at the club. But undoubtedly, he has been one of the reasons why we have gone from battling out to for eighth every season to challenging in the to get into the Champions League and being in the Champions League club for four or five years. Not only his solid performances, but also his leadership of the team more recently has become more apparent as well. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why every single manager that has had him has absolutely loved him. And um you can see him going into coaching afterwards because he just has that that calmness in leadership about him. Mm-hmm. Would he would he have been a better player if he could kick the ball in a straight line? Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely earlier but, in his career. Yeah, but there's like his reflexes are insane. I don't know if you remember yeah. the save against Javier Hernandez um, for Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, just point black, save ever. insane. Just point black range, just yeah. to like launch himself at the floor and then smother the ball is a piece of absolute art. And I think I think he will go down as a legend for for many many years. Yeah, I certainly think so. I can't think of many goalkeeping legends. That's uh, why well, I can't think of many goalkeeping <laughs> legends at Spurs. But bear in mind, I grew up watching Neil Sullivan, so that sort of puts it into <laughs> perspective. But you think of some of the greats that have come before him and that are in that category, your sort of your Clements and your Jennings. Not Ian Walker, but <laughs> I definitely put the reason in that Keller. category. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, when Lloris first came, he couldn't knock Brad Friedel out of the squad. It took him six months, where didn't he's it? <laughs> yeah, so it could be issued to be 320 Hugo. I mean, you've been you've been hanging around. Um, he's been a great servant at the club. He's clearly could have warranted a, a move away, and it, that's never. I've never ever really seen anything solid that said, yeah, he he wants a different challenge. He very clearly gets the club. Some people criticise him for the odd mistake, but in my opinion, that's goalkeeping. There's always that high risk that if a goalkeeper makes it error, it's probably going to lead to a goal. No goalkeeper 
can avoid that. Like you said, you look at the goalkeepers most recently that have been hailed as being like the best around. De Gea has massively declined because of incidences. Uh, Edison over recent times has made a number of mistakes as well. So for Lloris to, if you actually look over the course of his career, those those poor poor moments and those incidences have actually been quite quite few and, and spread out he's been one of our most consistent plays that I can remember ever playing for Spurs I think he's improved as the years have gone on we used to see essentially goals that might not directly could be come from his mistake but a mistake that's led to a loss of possession uh, it's always been one of his weaknesses has been his distribution with his feet but mm. over the last couple of years I think he's he's just Stepped it up a level <laughs> since he had that drink drive incident, which uh, <laughs> probably for him, the less said the better. He seems to have knocked some sense into him, perhaps. It, it, maybe it gave him that, that bit of impetus. Oh, fucking hell, like, that could have been the end of my career there. This is what, what happens uh, when I hang out with Arsenal and Chelsea players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Terrible inferences. But yeah, I mean, he's a World Cup winner, for fuck's sake. He's obviously not fussed about trophies anymore because because of that, because uh, he's certainly not going to win them here. But credit mm. to him for sticking it out and trying to make the best of it and you always see he's, he's certainly one of the most vocal and I, I think I probably admired him the most when we lost um what was that terrible game we lost so I actually deleted it from my memory in the Europa League last year uh I completely oh, yeah. forgot the one where against. the manager was in prison uh, the manager was in prison <laughs> uh, and he had to come out and say yeah that was a, a disaster and I think he called it a disaster three times separately yeah. unprompted and I had a lot of admiration for him coming out to say that and it really annoys me. Was, I know Sky Sports annoy me for a lot of reasons, but he was uh, talking about like Harry Kane, you know, Tottenham captain should be setting up. Well, he's not the Tottenham captain. He doesn't wear the armband. He's not fit to wear it anymore. But <laughs> Lloris has always worn an armband uh, with pride uh, and with, with leadership and it sets a great example. So yeah. here's, the, here's the many more appearances that I think he, he'll give us. Unfortunately, I think he's probably off at the end of the season, mate. Um, we've done, yeah. I think this is how his contract is up. He's getting to that age now where um, it, I can't see him staying around to be a second choice. But we need to start thinking about replacing him, and we actually already have done with the uh, with the signing of um, Golini, who's probably going to be playing for us again on Thursday as we um, as we welcome Pash de Fajer. Back at the yeah, yeah, how that was a fucking dreadful performance. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, I mean, I was playing football at the time, um, so I think now, bearing in mind, I lost my football match 9 3, <laughs> I think it was a marginally better game, <laughs> and I, I refused to re- go back and revisit it. I'm actually annoyed that, that you've actually very nicely segued to go back and talk about it because I, I don't want to talk about it. Look, it's embarrassing, isn't it? It's an embarrassing yeah. tournament. They've set it up really for, for little European teams uh, like Arsenal to, to try and progress <laughs> a little bit more and develop a bit more of a name for themselves, give them something they might actually win. And I know we made loads of changes. No one who started the game against City travelled out there. I kind of get that. But at the same time, it's really embarrassing if we lose this one. Yeah. It's shocking. And I'm scared we might actually do that. Yeah, I don't know what's more embarrassing, though, the defeat or being absolutely bantered off by their social media team. And I know, <laughs> I know Peter are going to get really pissed off with me, but I want terrible things to happen to that fucking beaver. <laughs> Is it a beaver? I mean, it looks like a beaver. I'm going and with I mean, beaver. I mean the mammal, 
to clarify. <laughs> it, was in, it was interesting to see a beaver up against a cock and a beaver winning. But, uh, <laughs> bizarre. I mean, if you haven't seen the gif uh, tweeted by, by Pacos de Ferreira when they won the game, and they basically superimposed their beaver mascot essentially gyrating towards the rear of Chirpy. <laughs> I don't know how to do that in a, in a broadcastable manner. This is where we need Jim to talk us through. <laughs> <I can't say. laughs> but uh, yeah, a beaver done a cock. Uh, and <laughs> the most bizarre gift I've ever seen by a professional football club. Yeah, well, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you might as well enjoy it. Eh? Uh, yeah, having said that, we we put in a really inexperienced side, and you know, a, a team full of players that haven't played together much at all so it's probably one to just write off move on quickly we'll play a stronger side on Thursday and hopefully we can uh, turn it around and save us save a bit of face yeah hopefully I mean a sort of record centre-back signing so to speak Romero would he did play that game uh, but he's obviously done some some damage to himself uh, as part of that. I'm not sure whether he will be fit for Thursday which is a shame because mm. uh, he said he, he needs the minutes he needs to build some strength up and as a result he missed the game against Wolves uh, which again was a shame not to have him involved. Um, he, he's kind of inspired me. Do you remember last season in the pod? Uh, I wrote, I adapted Dickens's A Tale of Two Cities to A Tale of Two CBs. <laughs> so you might see, you might, <laughs> with a name like Romero, you can probably see where this is going. But I have adapted a very famous uh, Shakespearean uh, extract from a, a, a well known. Uh, Shakespeare play. Can you guess it? Is it going to be Romeo and Juliet by any chance? <laughs> you're good. You're <laughs> good. Do you know which line I'm going to start with? Nah, go on, hit me. <laughs> of course, it's so predictable. Come on, yeah, even I thought you'd know that. Yeah, uh, anyway, it's quite obvious, isn't it? Here we go. A Romero, a Romero. Wherefore art thou, Romero? Deny thy dire and refuse thy nevis. Or if thou need, wilt not be but swollen, my love. And he'll no longer have cartilage. Tis but thy cane that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not as Molyneux. What's Molyneux? It is nor cock, nor ball, nor skywalk, nor necker, nor any part belonging to a bold man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call Danny Rose. By any other name would he Google. So Romero would, were he not Romero called, retain that dear perfection which he owes. A club without a title. Romero is his name, and for that, which has no parts of knees, take all myself. That was phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely, Absolute give yourself <laughs> give yourself a pat on the back, mate. That was if you're that was quite special. Hashtag in the know about your Shakespearean quotes. Uh, I mean, I had to look it up. I don't, I, I don't know Shakespeare at all, but I'm pretty sure old, old Bill, old old Big Willie Shakes. Yeah, he'd have been proud of that to see how, how his classic works have been adapted yeah. so 500 years later. <laughs> see, last time you had an excuse because we were still in lockdown. Like, you could have been out and about, but no, you sat down and you came yeah. up with that little poem. Yeah, I've got no excuse. And I'd like to I'd like to apologise to, to, to the good memory of old uh, Bill Shakes. <laughs> anyway, we'll push on. Um, briefly going back to, to old Pacos, the old city of furniture. Um, do you reckon we're going to sit like furniture again? You said you can see us fielding a stronger lineup. What players do you think 
uh, are actually going to be rotated into the to the starting lineup, so to speak. Uh, you're sort of like your Sessegnons, perhaps, or your Brian Hills. Uh, and what senior players can you see being mixed together to form a team that should hopefully keep us in this uh, Timpot competition? Yeah, definitely Brian Hill and uh, and Sessegnon. I imagine with Kane building up his fitness and I need to goals, four goals, and Son limping off, uh, you know, they might not want to risk him. So I can see Kane coming in. The Chelsea as well, but we'll probably retain one of Skip and Hoiber in the midfield. So uh, we're unlikely to see Niall, John and Winks come in as well. I think it would more likely to be Winks because obviously mm. we're, we're chasing the game. Hopefully Carter uh, Vickers fucks off and we actually play a uh, senior <laughs> centre-back. But, but he's injured uh, anyway, isn't he, I think? Yeah, he, he hobbled off. I don't think he'll be back in time. No, what's going on with Rodham? Is he injured as well? He was injured for the last one, wasn't he? Um, yeah. I can't remember if he was on the bench against Wolves. I feel like he wasn't. Mario um, Piscotzi came on, or however you pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, he's Estonian, isn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah, for yeah, international. Yeah. It looks like a decent prospect, but yeah, I think we'll play We'll play our full team. We'll have Golini in goal, helping build up those, those minutes and that, that match thickness. So, you know, it'll be a good mixture of one or two first-teamers, and the rest will be... Um, sort of rotation options rather than youth youth players. Yeah. Do you see the um, the youth game today, the under-23s against Leeds? 4-2, uh, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Niall John scored an absolute cracker. So it continues to show uh, <laughs> we don't need to buy a replacement for Sissoko. He's already better than him. Anyone um, is already right. better than Sissoko. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and up front, they didn't have Scarlett because obviously Scarlett is essentially part of the first team now. They sort of keep him out of the under-23s but they had mm. that... Um, Dylan McCande? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he scored possibly a hat-trick. I can't remember. Maybe two. That's it, hat-trick. He looks tasty. He's, he's knocking on the door, isn't it? Um, for trying to get himself onto the bench, probably on Thursday night, potentially. Yeah. Um, well, it's I mean, to see. It's fantastic to see. Yeah, we, we paid £10 million for Clark, who was also playing in that under that, that youth game there. So, I mean, I'd definitely rather have Mark and Day on the, on the bench. So, I really want to see him get a few minutes. Hopefully, we can get an early lead um, and allow some of these sort of players to come on in the latter stages of the game rather than hope that they can do bits from the start. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see our youth team starting to produce because we've put a ridiculous amount of money into that system and we sort of a bit like when you're in football manager and you're told you've got an amazing system but you're just waiting for these players to come through and they just don't <laughs> seem to so hopefully yeah ho- hopefully you can come on and, and show us what we uh what we should be excited about yeah exactly um following on from that the classic thursday sunday thursday sunday tottenham in europe routine continues um <laughs> Bank holiday weekend, we must add, which is completely irrelevant if you're a professional footballer because you're probably still going to be at work on Monday. But for us, it's great because you can go to Watford. Uh, it's at the Tottenham ground on a Sunday uh, and not have to hold back because you won't go to work on Monday, probably. What can you see there, Ash? I don't know how much you've seen of Watford. Um, obviously, the player at Vicarage Road never looked pretty Vicarage so far. <laughs> well, they've had two very different performances so far, haven't they? They started yeah. blindingly. Um, that their their striker Dennis looked like a bit of a problem, and obviously they got his male Lassar on the wing, who can who's basically a skinny Adama Traore who can actually put a ball into the box or have a shot every now and then. So it'll be interesting to see what Watford turns up. We should be winning them. We should be beating them regardless. We should be winning by two or three goals. Hopefully, 
hopefully we'll actually see some possession this time. I can't be dealing with counter-attacking against newly promoted sides, for fuck's sake. Yeah. What are you expecting to see? I mean, it's going <laughs> to... I thought Wolves would be this test, but, you know, maybe not, because it's quite clear that Wolves are going to be that mm-hmm. lively attacking sign that uh, Bruno... It's, it's large, isn't it? It's not, it's large. not lager. Some people call it lager, 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 lager. It's not, it's not, it's large. Yeah. <laughs> Wolves are obviously going to play that way for the rest of the season. Watford... Yeah, I said it in our preview part, didn't I? I think they'll probably be all right this season because they're going to, you know, just edge out results. Like, ugly. You know, Burnley style. You love to see it. Obviously, I don't think they're going to do that at Spurs. It's quite clear. I mean, I did watch them play against Brighton. Uh, and you said they played blindingly in the first game, which is correct. And they played blind against Brighton. Um, they, they, <laughs> they were absolutely terrible. They, they had no outball. They didn't. They seem to lack creativity. Obviously, Tom Cleverley is their, their biggest creative output, which I think says the most. We should see a dominance in possession. And what I want to see is when we have to build up patiently, being able to break down a team and create good opportunities. Because we look really wayward with the ball, too many too many loose passes. Sometimes Hoybier, because he likes to protect the back four with Skip, he's not pushing on so much, and he does actually offer more creativity. Than he, he, he kind of than we care to admit really. So we need to see a lot more of that. Whether we'll sit with a formation, probably. I suspect what the long-term plan is that Romero might come into a back three. I don't know what you think about that. And then it frees up potentially a midfielder um, to, to probably drift into a more advanced position between attack and midfield, which in my opinion on merit should be Delhi. I think that Watford game will. See no absolutely no change in the starting lineup. I suspect, apart from maybe Kane. Yeah, it all depends on. I mean, I, I can't see the formation being changed for this game or the starting eleven. I imagine Kane will still be on the bench, and I don't think we'll be seeing much until the end of the transfer window. I think Romero will come in eventually once he's sort of fully fit and fitted up and running. But he's he might have he was rated as the best defender in Serie A last year but he's still only 23 it's going to take him some time to settle into a new country a new culture mm. and a new way of playing i'd expect i'd i'd love to see us play with a, with a back three i think our team is absolutely made for it um especially considering we don't have enough centre mids that can actually carry the ball i want to, i want to protect <laughs> them as much as possible yeah um we don't we don't want to be in a position where we're overplaying our centre mids again so hopefully hopefully we um we do show a lot more possession in, in, in that similar lineup and that midfield three rather than being that defensive block are actually that sort of metronome and that, that control that allows us to push forward and have sort of Vegion and, and Tanganga be a bit more uh, have a bit more freedom down the sides to join the attack and that way we can we can overload them in, in wide and central areas. That's what that's what we need to see. If if Kane comes on and scores a goal, I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> if he doesn't and we win anyway. Great, <laughs> but it all depends I mean, on some fitness. Start. Isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think you're right. Excellent. So, what what do you think about scores? Uh, we'll do it chronologically then. We'll take yeah. Thursday first. I mean, I'm genuinely really concerned that it's a it's a proper banana skin. It could be. I, I would be really upset if we didn't get through this. I know it's a bit of a competition. It's probably a bit of a distraction. You have to go a long way to win this thing just like you're doing the Europa, which could end up distracting more from, from your domestic season. But I'd still be absolutely embarrassed if we go out at this stage. So I'm concerned that they could nick a goal and then just sit on it, bearing in mind I'm already goal ahead. 
Uh, but I do think, realistically, my head says 3-1 to Spurs. I think they'll they'll get a goal and make a sweat for a bit. But I think we will have our senior players. We'll have some quality. Um, we should score enough. Yeah, I said last week that you know this is that they're, they're no mugs. It's a fairly strong league, despite obviously what uh, what we may see on on Twitter. <laughs> but with with a with a stronger lineup and with some first teamers in there, I'd ex- I'm hoping that we can get a a three 0 win on the day and make it fairly comfortable and see a few of those younger players coming on uh, coming on late in the second half. Yeah, that that would be the ideal situation certainly. Uh, and for me, again, the, <laughs> an ideal situation on Sunday would be another win uh, <laughs> as we continue our 100% record. I mean, surely we can't have another binary win of um, 1-0. You can't envisage uh, sort of Jose that much. He's just going for binary results, which I think Jose's first like 10, 10 results in English football were all by binary scoreline. Maybe um, just a really big fan of the Matrix and just wants to see the robotic numbers. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's part of the Matrix all along and we're just living in, in Nuno's world but realistically I think we should still see a kind of uh, perhaps a 3-1 situation in fairness to our defence uh, and in fairness to, to Watford's uh, inability to properly score that many goals uh, I think we could see another clean sheet I think Watford will rely on their home performances to, to get through this season I think home advantage is a big thing post-pandemic uh, again because people have forgotten what it's like to have fans and that must do so much to players. So I think being at home will be a big advantage to us. And as a result, I think we'll see the same Watford that played Brighton yeah. rather than the same Watford that played in their opener. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm a bit worried that with our defence, it's unlikely that we'll be able to keep another clean sheet, but it is Watford at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but you said that against City and yeah, we just done yeah. it again against Wolves. Here, You're right. No, no, it yeah. is Watford. Like you said, they're, they're relying on cleverly to be their metronome so they shouldn't yeah. create too many problems and any any problems that are created are probably going to be of our own making aren't they but we yeah. do have we do have enough quality throughout the team and, and throughout that core to get through it I think it's going to be 2-0 but a very different sort of performance that we've seen over the last two games I expect us to be playing much higher up the pitch and with a lot more control of the ball yeah yeah totally I'm just a little bit concerned about them hitting the likes of Saar on the break and Dennis is here, like you say, he's a, he's a great centre forward. He's a great little find for them. And then they can bring on Troy Deeney uh, and it, it completely overwhelm our centre backs. But <laughs> I think I think we should be OK. Yeah, I don't want it to be one of those, yeah, it's only Watford situations. <laughs> fuck him. It's only Watford, so yeah, fuck him. Yeah, you're and not in London, like, you pricks, no matter how much you try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're going to pretend, well, it's inside the M25. Like, mm, haven't got the Metropolitan Police there, do you? <laughs> Come on, lads. What colour are your fucking bins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember your Hertfordshire. Good place to grow up, but <laughs> <laughs> you ain't London, bruv. We ain't your rivals. You stick to kicking fights with Luton. Um, but yeah, fuck them. I reckon 3 0. Fucking 3 0, 2 0. Those are our predictions, lads. 1 0 again. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what Jim would have said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and I think <laughs> on that cheery note, that is Jim. Let's call it there. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.